The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. our message this morning. Um, I want to invite you all to take a look at a woman in scripture known as a mother for Israel. Her name is Deborah and her story is found in Judges chapter 4 and 5. Now I am aware at this point 10 seconds into my message that I have already lost some people in the room because you are thinking this is a woman and she's going to be talking about another woman and it's Mother's Day so this message probably doesn't apply to me That's not true. I want to invite you all to take a look at this woman in scripture because I know for me, even though I am a a, a woman, when I listen to a male preach about another male on Father's Day, if I lean in, there's something in that word that God has for me. There's something in that word that wants me to, uh, that he wants to connect me to, that wants wants me to, uh, to grow closer to his heart. So that is my prayer for you today, that no matter who you are, male or female, mom or not a mom, that this message would encourage you um, and and just draw you closer to the heart of God, all right? So everybody say all. All. All, You all. All right. So we're going to look at uh, some verses in scripture today, a lot of verses. Uh, But I thought it would be fun to learn about Deborah the way that we typically learn about people these days, and that's by creeping on their Instagram pages. So... Uh, we're going to look at Deborah's Instagram. Some of you may remember a couple of years ago, we learned a lot about King David when we started following David, son of Jesse. Well, this morning, I'm going to invite you to follow Judge underscore Debbie 45. Judge Debbie 45. Let's creep on her on Instagram this morning. Okay, post number one. She says, drastic times call for drastic measures. My people continue to do evil. So God did something drastic to wake us up. He placed us in the hands of the cruel and oppressive King Jabin of Canaan. His military commander Sisera lords over us with his fleet of 900 chariots. 20 years is long enough. It's time for a change. We're crying out to God. Hashtag change gonna come. Hashtag God turn it around. Hashtag rise up. So the book of Judges, it's all about this perpetual cycle of dysfunction that the Israelites continually found themselves cycling through. And the cycle looks something like this. God and his goodness would deliver his people. And then God's people, the Israelites, they would begin to want to be like their neighboring nations. They began to want to do what was right in their own eyes. So they would reject God. God would let them go their own way. And then they would experience the terrible consequences that happen when we decide to reject God and go our own way. And then they would get fed up. And then they would cry out to God. And then God in his goodness would deliver them, and then the cycle would start all over again. So Deborah's story, it begins um, 20 years into one of these perpetual cycles of dysfunction, 20 years of living under this cruel King Jabin. Now, during this time, their villages were depopulated. Cities were all boarded up. Uh, uh, The enemy soldiers were running their cities and their towns. God's people were disarmed. There was no swords or shields to be found among 40,000 Israelites 
because King Jabin had them all confiscated. They had to take the paths less traveled. They had to take detours. They had to take the long way around if they wanted to get anywhere. They couldn't take the major thoroughfares thoroughfares because outlaws and robbers were there waiting to assault them and to attack them. And a traveler in America during the Revolutionary War 1780, he said he was reminded of this time in scripture when he came upon this neutral ground here in our country. He said houses were plundered and dismantled. Enclosures broken down, cattle carried away, fields lying waste. The roads were grass grown, the country mournful, solitary, and silent. This is where the Israelites were. The sad condition of their every day for 20 years because they chose to reject God, because they chose new gods to love. So the story of Deborah picks up at the end of this cycle. And it's the end of the cycle because of what's about to happen next. Let's look at her next post. All rise for Honorable Judge Deborah. Shock face, mind blown face. I still can't believe I've been appointed Shaphat. I'm so thankful for the opportunity, and I promise to be a heroic leader for Israel. I vow to respect the people God has given me. People of Israel, let's turn the page. Let's begin a new chapter together. You can find me at the intersection of Ramah and Bethel under the palm tree. Hashtag change is here. Hashtag first woman judge. Hashtag history. Hashtag let's go. Everybody say let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Judges 2, 16, it lets us know that God was responsible for putting Deborah in this a place of leadership. She was not just a judge like Judge Judy helping people this, you know, to come to an agreement. She was a shafat. She was a leader. She was, she was in control of what was happening in their country. There were no kings at this time. So God put her in this place where she had a ton of leadership responsibility. Okay, now I want to hack into Judge Deborah's direct messages and just see this conversation that she's having with Barak or Barak, uh, who is the commander of the military army. Let's see what they're up to. Deborah says, Barak, the Lord's spoken. I know you know he has. Has he not said, go and take 10,000 soldiers with you? Sisera, the commander with the fancy chariots who works for the cruel King Jabin, he's going to come after you with his chariots and his troops at the river Kishon. And he says, I will deliver him into your hand. I'll go, but only if you go with me. If you don't go, I'm not going. Debbie says, sure, I'll go with you. But just a heads up, there will be no glory for you in this venture. The glory for taking out Sisera is going to go to a woman. He's thinking, cringe face, salsa dancer, thumbs up. Okay, so let's see if Barak and Debbie go to battle. Post four, it says, we had very few weapons to fight with. Sisera's army had 900 chariots of iron and all kinds of military tech, but we had God and God gave us the victory. Not a single man was left standing in Sisera's army except Sisera. He escaped on foot. If you see him, DM me. Hashtag against all odds. Hashtag warring women. Hashtag only God. Hashtag flash flood. Hashtag how do you like them apples? 
after a torrential downpour of rain and a flash flood, these chariots that they were so proud of and the Israelites were so intimidated by, they got stuck in the mud, they got rendered useless, and the Israelites, God gave them the victory just like Deborah prophesied that he would. Post number four, what happened to Sisera? Sisera is dead at the hands of a woman. No, not me, Jael, the wife of a Kenite. She bravely invited the fleeing commander to rest in her tent, and after giving him a glass of milk and covering him up with a blanket, she took a tent peg and hammered it into his temple. The Lord sold Sisera into the hands of a woman just as he said he would. Now we will grow stronger and stronger and destroy Jabin, king of Canaan. Hashtag intense. Hashtag milk does not do a body good. Hashtag ouch. Hashtag God said. Do you guys like my Israeli milk there that I found? Yeah. Okay. Deborah was, um, was an amazing leader. She led the Israelites to a 40-year period of peace. After 20 years of constant anarchy and confusion, she led them to a 40-year period of peace. Deborah was amazing. Really, I should say God working through Deborah was amazing. But I want you to notice that, that God did not take over Deborah and make her some remote control robot that he was in heaven controlling and making her do everything that he wanted her to do. She had to partner with God. She had to yield herself to God. We see this over and over time and time again in scripture that God wants to use ordinary people, the people least, least likely to, to do amazing and extraordinary things. But we have to yield ourselves to him and partner with him in order to see him use us in the way that he used Deborah. Amen. So today I want to just highlight a couple of things from the life of Deborah. I've got three things um, that stood out to me as I studied her story for hours and hours and studied her life for hours. These are the three things I felt like the Holy Spirit wanted me to share with you today. So number one, if you're taking notes, Deborah was appointed and anointed. She was appointed and anointed. Anointed is one of those words that churchy people like to use a lot. You know, you've probably heard it here. Uh, churches, the, the, the pastor, Pastor Josh is so anointed, anointed. Pastor David, the worship team, Judy, they're so anointed. But what does anointed mean? If you're taking notes, this is the simplest definition, simplest terms. Anointed means operating in the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit operating in the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Now, in the Old Testament, uh, when God chose Saul to be the very first king of Israel, and this was because Israel was in another one of their cycles of dysfunction. They wanted to be like their neighbors. They wanted a king like everybody else. So God said, fine, I'll give you a king. He chose Saul to be king. And then he had the prophet Samuel go find Saul and anoint him with oil. Take a flask of oil, unscrew the lid, and pour it all over Saul. And as he was doing this, he said, has not the Lord appointed you or anointed you ruler of his inheritance? Has not the Lord anointed you ruler of his inheritance? So Saul was anointed with oil. Now, there was no magic king-making power in this oil. If you've ever had somebody pray for you and anoint you with oil, there was nothing special, per se, about the oil. Nana, my mother-in-law, 
They, they put Crisco on her, Crisco oil on her forehead, and she got healed of crossed eyes instantly with Crisco oil. So, so there's nothing special per se about the oil, but the oil is there because it's meant to be this tangible act, something that we can connect to with our earthly senses. You can see the oil. You could taste the oil if you wanted. You could smell the oil. You could feel the oil. It's something we can connect to with our earthly senses and, and, and try to gauge what God is doing in the spiritual realm. It's a picture. It's like communion. These tangible elements that, that we can connect to with our earthly senses. So what was happening in the spiritual realm when this oil was being poured over Saul? It was a picture of God's presence being poured out over Saul. It was a picture of God's power being poured out over Saul. Listen, for Saul to do what he was appointed to do, the first king of Israel, the anointing was completely necessary. For Deborah to do what she was appointed to do, the first woman judge in history, the anointing was completely necessary. Judges 2.18 speaks to this with Deborah. It says, but when the Lord appointed judges, like Deborah, for the Israelites, he was with each judge. There's his presence right there. His presence was with each judge. The Lord rescued them from their enemies as long as that judge was alive. That's the power of God. The power and the presence were there because they were completely necessary for her to do what she was called to do. The anointing, this is so awesome. The anointing helped Deborah flow and function. I think those might be my two favorite words in the English language, flow and function. He helped her flow and function in and out of her roles, in and out of her responsibilities, and in her relationships. Write that down if you're taking notes. The anointing will help me flow and function in and out of my roles, relationships, and responsibilities. Now think about how important this must have been for Deborah. She needed to be able to do this, to flow in and out, because she had been given so much responsibility. She had so many different roles. But she could, because of the anointing, go from sitting under the palm of Deborah and connecting with her father to a couple of minutes later jumping into a meeting where there's there's these two irate people in some dispute, and she could help them come to a to a peaceful arrangement. And then she could go from that meeting into some military consulting meeting with Barak and then she could jump from that meeting over here with some Israelites who are tired of doing what's right in their own eyes and they need some discernment they need some help so they can do what's right in God's eyes and then she could take off that hat and she could go home and she could be an amazing submitted wonderful wife to her husband Lapidoth she could flow and function because of the anointing don't you wish don't you wish that God would anoint you to do what he has appointed you to do. Don't you wish that, that maybe, maybe you wish this, maybe you think, no, that's really weird, Sarah, but, but if some guy named Samuel were to come up to you and take some olive oil and say, has not God anointed you to be the mother of Sonny and Gus and Bo Blunt? Has not the Lord anointed you to be a third grade teacher? Has not the Lord anointed you to be a med school student? Has not the Lord anointed you to be a postal, a postal worker? Has not the Lord anointed you to be a father, to be a husband, to be the head of the new song coffee team? Has not the Lord anointed you? Don't you wish that you could have that moment? like that or experience somebody anointing you well I've got good news for you today you may never have an encounter like that with a prophet named Samuel 
But in 2 Corinthians 1, verses 21 and 22, Paul shows us something pretty cool. Very cool. It sounds like an understatement. It's really cool. In 2 Corinthians 1, he says, Now it is God. It's God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us. God anointed us. He set his seal of ownership on us and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. We see the Godhead here. We see the Trinity here. God has established us in Jesus, and God has anointed us, and then the Holy Spirit comes and seals it all together. God has, uh, has an anointing for you to do what he has appointed you to do. And just like the anointing was completely necessary for Saul and for Deborah to do what they were appointed to do, guess what? The anointing is completely necessary for you and for me, for us to do what we were appointed to do. Now, you may be getting by on your own charm and your good looks and your talent or your money or your woo, whatever it is, but eventually that stuff will run out. And you'll begin to notice there is no flow. You're not functioning like you, like you were created to function. There is no ease. And it's because the power and the presence of God are not there. The anointing is necessary. Somebody say, the anointing, the anointing. is necessary. necessary. Now, maybe you're thinking, yeah, one problem. I just, ah, this is great, but I haven't been appointed to do anything. I've never been appointed to be a king or, or, or a judge or a prophet or anything like that. So I don't really need the anointing. Okay, let me just show you this in Ephesians 2.10. If you've been saved by grace through faith, then God has appointed you to do something. It says, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. He prepared good works for you to do in advance. He prepared it in advance. That sounds a lot like an appointment to me. Now, what's great about this is God has appointed us all to do some things. He's prepared some things for us to do good works in advance, and he's given us spiritual gifts to help us do these things, to help us fulfill our appointments. What are your spiritual gifts? Do you know? What spiritual gifts has God given to you? Maybe it's administration or giving or healing or teaching or encouraging Deborah had the gifts of prophet, of, of leadership, of discernment. Those were her spiritual gifts. Maybe you don't know what your spiritual gifts are. That's okay. But I want to encourage you to find out what they are. Begin to study them. In 1 Corinthians 12, you can even take spiritual gifts assessments. In fact, I've made it easy for you this week in the New Song app. In the table talk section, if you don't have the app, get the app. You can get it in any app store by searching New Song OKC. But in the app, in the table talk section, you will find a link to a spiritual gifts test. There's some questions. It's free. Fill that out and it will help you. Like these may be your spiritual gifts, what God has gifted you in. Listen, it's your responsibility to discover your spiritual gifts and then to use those gifts for the greater good. And it's important that we figure out what our spiritual gifts are because they have to do with what we've been appointed to do. They go hand in hand. 
Maybe as you dive into this, you'll see that you have a love for hosting people, for hospitality, and you've always just thought, well, it's just something that, that I like to do or that I'm good at doing. But as you dive into this, you'll see it's a spiritual gift, and it has to do with your divine appointment here in the earth. When you show up to your God given appointments and you begin to operate in your spiritual gifts for the good of other people the anointing begins to flow and there is nothing like it you realize like this is why I'm here this is what I was born to do this is the purpose that God has for me in this season the anointing is necessary God has appointed me to pastor this church with Josh and there's an anointing for that. But when I came here to plant the church with Josh, when I stepped in, when I preached my first message, that wasn't my first encounter with anointing or appointing. Yeah. I had been living in my appointment. And I had been experiencing the anointment in one of the greatest ways I've ever experienced it. And that was being a mother to my kids, to Gus, Bo, and Sonny. I believed like deep in my bones, like convictions of steel, that there was a reason why God gave me these kids, that I was not happenstance, but I was appointed to be their mother. And motherhood, because it's an appointment, there's an anointment where God appoints God anoints. I knew I was appointed to be their mother. And so there, there, there was this anointing on me to flow and to function in my roles, responsibilities, and relationships. I knew every time that, that I opened the word of God with them, that I was doing the good things that he had prepared and advanced for me to do. I knew that whenever I worshiped with them, prayed over them, prayed for them, prophesied to them, still to this day, when I, when I read scripture with them, when I, when I show them correction in scripture, when I show them the love and mercy and, and the truth of God on display in my life, when I lead them to an irresistible Jesus, that it's my appointment, that when I help them to understand the will of God for their life, that that's a part of my appointment. And there's an anointing that I operate in as a mom. It's not just for those in vocational ministry. I knew I was appointed that these three arrows that God had put in the hand of this warrior, that it was my appointment to sharpen them, to aim them, and then to someday release them and watch them soar, empowered by the Holy Spirit, and do the things that he's appointed and anointed each of them to do. This was my appointment, and so there was an anointing there. Listen, moms, hear me this morning. You have been appointed to be the mother of your children. You have been appointed to, to raise your kids, to train your children in the way that they should go. Jesus is the way. He's the truth and the life. You've been appointed to raise them in the way that they should go so that when they are older, they will not depart from it. It doesn't matter if you are a single mom, a stay-at-home mom, a working mom, a mix of both. I can tell you, if you have kids, that's part of your appointment. And where God points he anoints and some of you are thinking well I'm not a good mom I was not born for this I am not cut out for this I feel like I'm failing you talked about how you're you feel like this is just what you were born to do I feel like I am missing it like I'm not a great mom listen that's the enemy and he is lying to you and he is trying to cancel one of the most important appointments of your life don't let 
him lie to you. God makes no mistakes. He knit that child together in your in your womb. He knew exactly what he was doing, and he has prepared and advanced good works for you to do concerning your children. One of the best places you can use your spiritual gifts is in your home. I believe Deborah was using her gift as prophet, discernment, leadership in her own home. God saw what a remarkable wife she was to Lapidoth, or he wouldn't have made her leader of his people. Listen, the shepherding gift, the teaching gift, the encouraging gift, all the gifts that God's given to me, they were first on display in my home for the greater good of my family before they, before they were ever up here on a platform. Use your spiritual gifts in your homes. Today, I want to take a moment and anoint all of the moms with oil this morning. So if you're a mom, would you stand to your feet? And don't worry, we don't have flasks of oil. We're not going to dump it all over your head. Stand to your feet, moms. And in the seat back pockets, there's these little vats of oil. And if you are standing next to a mom, um, if there's single moms in here, if there's moms that aren't surrounded by people, I want every mom in this room to be anointed with oil. You just open it up, pass it around, and, uh, and just put it right here, right on her forehead, right next to her hairline. And remember, there's nothing special about this oil. It's not going to make you a, super, a superpower, but this is something tangible in this moment. Feel it, smell it, see it. The anointing of God is here for moms. So I'm going to let you take, a time, uh, take some time, anoint them with oil, and then extend your hands. You weren't supposed to come up here. <laughs> Thank you. Still gonna do this service. Okay. He wasn't here for service. <laughs> okay. Lord, I thank you for every mom in this room. Whatever season of motherhood she's in, whether she's a grandma, whether she's pregnant and expecting her first, nursing a newborn, dealing with toddlers, with crushed up goldfish crackers in her carpet, or it's mothers of a teenager, college student, empty nester, whatever season of life these mothers are in, represented here, God, I pray that you would just ignite a passion for them for motherhood. Help them to see that it is a divine appointment. It's a divine appointment. You make no mistakes. And I pray, Lord, that you would just anoint them. Fill them afresh, God. I pray that they would sense your power and your presence pouring over them. That without the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit, there's no flow, there's no function. It's hard. And it's not always going to be easy, but we can know that you're with us and that you're empowering with us empowering us with your Holy Spirit. God, anoint every mom. Help her to flow and function in and out of her roles as teacher, as counselor, as doctor, as nurse, as Uber driver, as a homework helper, whatever it is. I pray that you would help her to flow and function in her role as a mother. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. All right. Okay. Go ahead and have a seat, and uh, as you do, let's get to point number two. It's Deborah sat. Deborah sat. Uh, remember in Deborah's second Instagram post, uh, she said you could find her under the palm tree, her palm tree. 
And that's really where you could find her. She wasn't at the city gates, but she was at the palm tree. And uh, Judges 4-5 tells us she used to sit under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel and the hill country of Ephraim, and the people of Israel came up to her for judgment. She sat under this palm tree so often that it was called the palm of Deborah. The palm of Deborah. Now, I love trees. Like, I really, really, really love trees. I bought the house that we have because of a tree in the backyard. Like, I love trees. And I cried. I may have shed a few tears during the ice storm of October 2020. October? The ice storm in October? What was that? It was so sad, and it, it wreaked a lot of havoc uh, on the trees in our neighborhood. Um, but I love trees. I love Christmas trees. I love big elm trees. I love those purple flowering trees in Southern California. And I love palm trees. Palm trees, they remind me of my favorite hamburger uh, chain. They remind me of Disneyland and Anaheim. Palm trees remind me of Santa Barbara, my favorite place to go with Josh. They remind me of my honeymoon in Hawaii. Like palm trees are awesome. If you don't love palm trees, you probably like ketchup on your hot dogs. Palm trees are, are awesome, and they're significant in Scripture. In fact, uh, I was reading this week in this Bible commentary about the significance of palm trees and Scripture. It says, a palm tree is constantly green and flourishing. It spreads its branches very wide and grows to a vast size, affording a most refreshing shade to travelers. It also produces dates, a very sweet, luscious, and grateful kind of fruit. It is a most beautiful tree and in every way an invaluable treasure to the inhabitants of those hot countries and therefore a fit emblem of the flourishing state of a righteous man. Or in Deborah's case, the palm tree is a fit emblem of a righteous woman. Deborah was synonymous with this always green, refreshing, lush, beautiful, and valuable palm tree. The palm tree that she set under was an emblem of the kind of wife, judge, prophet, and leader that she was. Deborah was um, one out of only five women to be called a prophet in the Old Testament, which means she was a mouthpiece for God. We see this in her interaction with Barak. She was able to hear from God very clearly and then deliver what she heard. She was a judge, the only female judge mentioned in Scripture which means that she was counseling people, helping them discern things, help, helping them to make sound judgments. And then we also know that she was a leader, but she wasn't just any leader. She wasn't just an okay leader. She was a fantastic leader that was so in tune with God that Barak said, I'm not going onto the battlefield unless you come with me. Now, a lot of people think that Barak was a coward for inviting a woman to come to the battlefield with him. But I think a lot of people are wrong. I think Barak was very smart. He saw how in tune with God Deborah was, and he said, it's going to be to our advantage if we have her with us. So how did Deborah become a judge and a prophet and a leader that people want to admire and follow? How, how, how did she become so evergreeny? How did she become so refreshing and so sweet and, and, and just so invaluable? Was it because Deborah was really popular or really smart was it because she went to the best college? Was it because these were just the top three things on her spiritual gifts assessment, like prophet, leader, judge, discernment, so she just owned it and was a boss at everything? No, she was able to be this palm tree kind of a person because she was really connected to God. 
She was connected to his heart. She was connected to his voice. She was connected to his word. Think about it. She couldn't be a mouthpiece for God. She couldn't be a mouthpiece for God unless she took time to sit under her palm tree and connect with the voice of God. She couldn't be a judge helping people discern right from wrong, truth from falsehood, conspiracy theory from real life, unless she took time to sit under her palm tree and spend time with the just judge, the perfect judge. She couldn't be a leader that people recognize as being so in tune with God unless she took time to sit under her palm tree and get in tune with God. Scripture tells us that spiritual gifts without love are worthless. Scripture also tells us that God is love. So we could combine those things and say spiritual gifts without God are worthless. We see that Deborah's gifts were definitely not worthless, which means she had to have a lot of love, which means she had to have a lot of God. So how did she get so much love and how did she get so much God? She took time to sit. I want you to look at Luke 10 with me this morning. This is a a popular passage of scripture, um, Mary and Martha. Uh, I'm going to read it to you from the message. And and I, I think there's some parallels here between Deborah and Martha. It says, as they continued their travel, Jesus entered a village, a woman by the name of Martha. Did I say Deborah and Martha? I meant Deborah and Mary. There's parallels between Deborah and Mary, okay? Uh, Martha welcomed him and made him feel quite at home. She had a sister, Mary, who sat. Somebody say, who sat? Who sat before the master, hanging on every word he said. But Martha was pulled away by all she had to do in the kitchen. Later, she stepped in, interrupting them. Master, don't you care that my sister has abandoned the kitchen to me? Tell her to lend me a hand. The master said, Martha, dear Martha, you're fussing far too much and getting yourself worked up over nothing. One thing only is essential. One thing only is essential. And Mary has chosen it. Mary, who's sitting before the master, hanging on every word. She's chosen the one thing that's essential. It's the main course, and it will not be taken from her. I believe that Deborah was like Mary. It's the only way that she could have been the incredible prophet, wife, leader, judge that she was. Listen, if you want to be a mouthpiece for God, and maybe you're thinking, I don't want to be a mouthpiece for God. I don't want to be a prophet. I don't want to be a preacher. That's not even on my spiritual gifts top 10. Listen, you should want to be a mouthpiece for God. Maybe not on the platform. Maybe not like going around saying I'm a prophet. But you should want to be a mouthpiece for God in your home with your kids, with your spouse, in your small group, with your friends, with the people that God's put in your sphere of influence, you should want to hear from him and then be able to say what he's saying to your kids, to your family. We need to to be mouthpieces for God's in our homes. We need to be mouthpieces for God's in our places of work on social media. We need to encourage others with the word of God. We need to prophesy over others. We need to pray the promises of God. We need to be the mouthpiece of God, but we can't do it if we don't take time to sit. If you want to be the kind of person that people come to seeking wise counsel, I don't know about you, but I want my kids coming to me. When they're going through something, when they're up against something, when they're hurting, when they're scared, when they're struggling, I want them coming to me and their dad for wise counsel. But we're not going to be able to give them wise counsel if we're not sitting with God under the palm tree with the word of God open 
filling ourselves with his word so then we can minister to them. If you want people to, to look at you like they're getting ready to go into a battle and they say, I, who, who can I take to this battle with me? If my kids are in something and who, who's going to go with me, I want them to say, I want her to come. I want him to come. If you want to be that kind of person, you got to take time to sit and eat the word of God. Jeremiah 15, 16. This is one of my favorite scriptures. It says, your words were found. My life changed, drastically changed when I began to live this verse. His words were found and I ate them. And his words were to me the joy and the rejoicing of my heart. Not the religious duty that I have to check off my to-do list, but your words were found and I ate them and they were the joy and they were the rejoicing of my heart. For I'm called by your name, appointment, O Lord God of hosts. Yes, discover your gifts. Yes, ask God to show you what he's appointed you to do. But we also have to take time to sit under our palm tree in the word of God. Listen, if you want to be like Deborah, if you want to make an impact in the world at all, in your family at all, you're going to have to eat God's word. You're going to have to breathe God's word. You're going to have to study God's word. You're going to have to memorize God's word. You're going to have to meditate on God's word. You're going to have to live God's word. It's the one thing that is essential. There's only one thing that's essential. Jesus said, it's the word of God, hanging on every word of God. Number three, Deborah rose like a mother. Deborah rose like a mother. She was appointed, she was anointed, she sat, and she rose like a mother. As we close, I want to look at her last Instagram post, post number five. It says, stream my latest single, Rise Like a Mother, on Spotify. (laughs) Hashtag blessed. It's not on Spotify for some reason. I couldn't find it. But Deborah wrote a song, and you can read the whole song in Judges chapter 5, and it's a song detailing what God did, the victories that he gave her during her time as a judge. But today, I just want to read you two lyrics from this song, Judges 5, verses 6 through 7. She writes, in the days of Shamgar, son of Anath, and in the days of Jael, people avoided the main roads. Travelers stayed on winding pathways. There were few people left in the villages of Israel until, somebody say until, until Deborah arose as a mother for Israel. Remember, we talked about this at the beginning. The 20 years of oppression, the 20 years of people wandering, cities boarded up, the disarmed, dispirited, helpless Israelites. This was their everyday reality until, until Deborah arose as a mother for Israel. I want you to notice that she did not rise like a politician. She did not rise like a feminist, like an activist, like a leader, like a warrior. It says she arose like a mother, like a mother. When God's people had had enough and began to cry out, when he wanted to birth something new, he sent a mother. He sent a mother. Listen, I know that you guys know this. This isn't new news, but we need some people to rise like mothers. In these days, she wrote, in the days of Shamgar, son of Anath, in the days of Sarah, 
daughter of Steve, in the days of George Floyd, in the days of, of human trafficking, in the days of, uh, of oppression and depression, in the days of coronavirus, in the days of, of suicide, in the days of division. In these days, we need people. These days where people are, are, are wandering the desolate roads without a belt of truth, without a sword of uh, the spirit, without a shield of faith, without a helmet of salvation, no weapon. They're wondering. There's very few God dwellers left in these days. We need somebody to rise like a mother. Like a mother. A lot of people like to talk about getting woke. Like we need to get woke to the issues in our society. Listen, it's like my favorite Irishman says, Hosier, in one of his songs. It's not the waking, it's the rising. It's the rising. You can be as woke as woke can get. You can know all of the things, but if nobody's rising, then nothing changes. So why like a mother? What's the significance of that? I asked the Holy Spirit that over and over again this week. Why like a mother? Why did she rise like a mother? I want to show you this in scripture. Also, you should know it doesn't, scripture doesn't mention her having any biological children, which just tells me that we don't have to have biological children in order to rise like a mother. But why like a mother? Well, in the ancient Hebrew, I learned this week, like in Chinese and ancient Egyptian, every word was formed by adding two pictures together, or pictures together. So they were word pictures. So instead of letters, they had pictures, and they put the pictures together, and the pictures were meant to illustrate the meaning of this word. So the word picture of mother, you saw it on Deborah's album cover. Uh, it looks like this. The first symbol was for water, and the second symbol was for an ox. And the ox represents strength so the word picture for mother what it was trying to paint or illustrate was strong water somebody say strong water now I want you to lean in in these last two minutes because this is the most beautiful description of motherhood I think I've ever heard why was that the, the image for mother strong water okay the Hebrews they used to make glue by boiling animal skins in water I know you're thinking, gross. You said this was going to be beautiful. That's gross, but it's beautiful. Keep, keep listening. The Hebrews made glue by boiling animal skins in water. As that skin began to break down, this sticky, thick liquid formed at the surface of the water. This thick liquid was then removed, and it was used as a binding agent, as a glue. It was called strong water. So the Hebrew word picture for mother is the one who binds the family together. The one who binds the family together. If you're going to rise like a mother, you're going to have to go probably through some fiery trials, through some, some boiling seasons where you feel like you're in a boiling pot of water. Like Deborah, where she's under the oppression for 20 years, she's in this boiling pot of water. She's experiencing trials and tribulations. She probably personally was humiliated, assaulted, stripped of dignity, no way to fight back. She's in this boiling pot of water for 20 years. But as she's in that pot of water, you know what's happening? This sticky liquid, this thick, sticky liquid is, uh, is rising to the top of that water, rising to the top of Deborah's life. Deborah was able to take that sticky glue that, ri that rose to the top of her life and she was able to rise like a mother and put her arms around the family of God and bind them together. She rose like a mother. Who will you rise like a mother for? 
She rose for Israel. Who will you rise for? Will you rise for Oklahoma City? Will you rise for someone in foster care? Will you rise for the homeless? Will you rise for your own family? Will you rise for this community? Will you rise and do what he's called you and appointed you and anointed you to do? Will you rise when he reveals something to you as you're sitting under that palm tree and you're listening for his voice and he shows you someone to rise for? Will you rise like a mother for that person? Will you be the glue that brings broken people healing brings broken places broken hearts healing maybe it's your own family that you need to rise like a mother for there's division in your family i sense there's moms with teenagers and your teenagers have been rebellious they've been rebellious and you're 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 not connecting with them and you feel like all the hopes and dreams that you had for them when they were born you feel like they're just all smashed up and god said no rise like a mother rise like a mother your family your teenager they need you to rise like a mother and bring the glue that be the glue that binds the family together i believe the mother heart of father god is rising in this room and males and females the mother heart of father god the heart that said my people are broken and fragmented and and fragmented and they're separated from me but i'm gonna send my son jesus I'm going to send Jesus. I'm going to rise like a mother and send the ultimate bonding agent, the ultimate glue, the ultimate strong water, the strong water that nothing can ever separate us from God's love because of. Nothing because of the strong water of Jesus. I'm going to send him, and he's going to bind bind up the wounds of the brokenhearted. He's going to bind my believers to each other. He's going to bind you, the family of God, to the heart of of God. Nothing can get between us and the love of God. He's the ultimate strong water. And now it's our turn. It's our destiny to be like Jesus. So where are the broken hearts that need to be bound together? Where are the broken places, the broken people? Who is he calling you to rise like a mother for? If you would rise to your feet today as we close. Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.